Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Won't you let me walk you home from school? Oh. I mean, so we've been doing this for like a year and a half, and I don't think there's ever been a song that just got me right back to middle school, to all those feelings of being a young little skadoodle. The song is 13. It's by Big Star off their 1972 album, number one record. It's also number 434 out of 500 on the Spotify Ridge, the 500, with me, the King Cadoogle, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, you Cadoogly Spooglies? It's great here in Los Angeles, man. It is perfect right now. It's Oscar season. It's rainy out. I had a fucking fun week. I went to go see Mr. Bungle this week. Oh, my God. No one told me it was going to be all death metal. I had no idea they were covering this, like, this thrash metal album. I thought they were going to do, like, Pink Cigarette. Doesn't make a difference. Incredible show. I love Mike Patton. And then the next night, I went to go see Ben Ottawell and Ian Ball from Gomez at the Bootleg Theater. And Ian was sick. And then Ben was going to do a solo show. And I was like, ah, I want to see both of them. And then at the last second... Because I was almost not going to go. I was literally in the bath. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going. And I drove down there. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I was so blown away by Ben Ottawell and his solo performance. I have to get him on the podcast. I don't know if you guys know about Gomez. They're an incredible band. It's funny that we're doing Big Star this week. And I went to go see Gomez. Because I feel like there is a little bit of a correlation between the two. But I have no idea. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And that's why I got to ask him. All right, let's find out about this album because, man, oh, man, did it sit in my cajonies and fluctuate my squidibbles. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? You guys got it? Good. Released in August of 1972, this is the debut album by Memphis, Tennessee, Power Pop Trailblazers, Big Star. Number one record is the second of three Big Star albums that are going to be on this list. And if you missed the first one, we did it 449 with Chris Garcia. That's where we did the third album. Way different than this one. Way different. Now, the founding Big Star members, Chris Bell and Alex Chilton, they met when they were 13 years old. And they were obsessed with the Beatles and the British invasion when they burst on the American music scene. And inspired by the Beatles, Chilton found a little bit of commercial success as a teenage superstar as the frontman to the 1967 Memphis Blue-Eyed Soul Group, The Box Tops. You might know their music. It goes like this. It goes, buy me a ticket from a steamer do. Ain't no time you bob a David do. Mama gonna dooba, heba flimma flooba. Mama gonna write you a letter. I don't know if I said any of the words right, but you knew the song. When the box stops broke up, Alex Chilton spent 1970 in New York and attempted a solo album before returning to Memphis in '71, where he sought out old musician friend 
vocalist and guitarist Chris Bell. Bell invited Chilton to join Icewater, a band he formed with drummer vocalist Jody Stevens, bassist vocalist Andy Hummel, and keyboardist vocalist Terry Manning. All of them sing. That's what I'm getting from this. They all sing. They can't just be, hey, I just play keyboards. Do you sing? Yeah. You're in the band! Because we need more vocalists. Prior to Icewater, Bell and Stevens played in a band called Rock City and made one album that got shelved. The cool thing is, some of both of those bands' songs made the cut for number one record. In 1972, Icewater went to Arden Studios to record their debut album and in the process changed their name to Big Star after the Memphis area grocery store chain, where between sessions, the band would often go to get some snacky dacks. Big Star's debut, named number one record, was released that August. Although the record was well received by so many critics, their distribution company, a Black Soul label, Stax Records, struggled to market a white guitar group hindering Big Star's commercial appeal. Number one record only sold about 10,000 records upon its initial release, and they were all bought up by Alex Chilton's Aunt Gertie. I have no idea if that's true. In frustration, as well as a history of clinical depression and substance abuse, Chris Bell left the band to pursue a solo career. Chilton, Stevens, and Hummel carried on for another record, but after similar distribution issues, Hummel also quit. The two remaining members recorded a project before breaking up in 1975. The project wasn't released until 78 as the third and final Big Star record. Sadly, that same year, Chris Bell died in a car accident on his way home from band rehearsal. But Big Star went on to influence countless musicians, including Wilco, Beck, Kiss, the Replacements, R.E.M., The Bengals, Elliot Smith, the list goes on and on. And my guest today, huge fan and also influenced by Big Star, Ronnie Barnett from the power punk band The Muffs. You might remember them. They have uh, a song on the Clueless soundtrack. I love it. It goes, We're kids in America. Whoa, whoa, we're ba 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 dee ba new friend of mine and I'm so happy he came on the podcast it's such a good time talking to this guy he's an interesting character and uh, knows a lot of really cool comics and has some really incredible stories and he really really gets Big Star brought the goddamn album I'll tell you that much he has like nine copies of it rate, review and most importantly subscribe to the 500 and listen free on Spotify listen on Spotify fools Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 434. Out of 500 with number one record by Big Star. You know what I said. Enjoy the episode. When you're Ronnie Barnett, there you go. You're talking like it's Ronnie Barnett, baby love. Mm-hmm. When it's Ronnie Barnett, baby sabo skiba I ain't taba dee. <laughs> a squeeba deeba beside you, Ronnie. Thank you, dude. Rock for the and little, roll. Isn't it? Yes. That's my favorite thing to do 
in the entire world to sing people in. So Ronnie, uh, so I, so we're both friends with uh, Tom. Don't let it in. First off, when you're Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie, wow. baby, love, this damn is... it, I'm really into it now. When you're ski bottom duba, squiggly doing flim and flim. So, so we have a mutual friend, Tom DeSavia. Yes, and uh, I was looking for somebody that loves Big Star, and he goes, "Booya, booya, time to do ya." I got the dude, <laughs> Ronnie Barnett from the Muffs. Uh, where yeah, he sloughed this off on me. He yeah. did. Well, I mean, you know, you know, he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy, yeah. but but you don't want to hang out with with me. And t- no, this is you fantastic. Brought the, you brought the record over. I know this is great, Josh. <laughs> I, I can't believe we didn't know each other before this moment. <laughs> no, I, I, well, this is everything happens for a reason. I did. I brought. I have two original copies of the record that yeah. were we haven't introduced yet. No, it's. Oh, I'll just jump right into it. Our yeah. album today is number four thirty-four out of five hundred. It's the debut. Oh, did I say that right this time? Debut studio album, number one record by Big Star, released on uh, or in August nineteen seventy-two. Produced by John Fry. Hit me. Ooh, I like those facts. On ardent records. <laughs> on ardent, yeah. <laughs> Recorded at. Uh, Hit me, hit me, uh, at Arden Studios. Arden Studios. You dummy, come on, Josh. Uh, yeah, I have two original copies of this record um, that I've had since the mid-'80s, and um, one's got the shrink wrap on it, and one is a cutout, and I can't bring myself to get rid of either one, even though it's a $200 record or something. No, you, God, no. Yeah, frame so. frame one of them. That's my new thing. Is you got to frame the records, because records are so beautiful, and, and there's something so... Sexy. Sexy, historical. You could be proud of your record collection, whereas you can't be proud of your iTunes catalog. Do you know what I mean? That's for sure. But That's so sure. but so so tell me about how you first got into Big Star. Like when did you first hear him? Um what happened was uh, uh I I I'm probably a little older than you. I'm fifty four. I'm I'm forty. Okay, okay. Solid four zero. Solid though. four, okay. But I have but I have an old heart. As suspected. Um no, so uh in the mid eighties when I was uh you know 18, whatever. I, I, I was, uh, I got into like so many of us at the time, um, REM, uh, early REM. The That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. All right, I'm going to do this a lot. I've lost something. I'm going to do um, this a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, they would all, all these bands, the DBs, all these bands I like that they would, they would always reference big star. So, uh, I, I, I made it a mission to find the, a big star record, which was already difficult at that time, but not, you know, you, you, you still could get lucky in those days to find it. Yes. Yeah, so to find eight, it. So you're 18 years old and like you're hearing big star. And so you said you were a fan of REM. It's yeah. just some of the great, and they're bands. all dropping the, you know, big star, like they're the Beatles. Yeah. Um, which, uh, we'll get to that. They kind of are, but in, in a way, but, uh, but anyway, I, I found the record and I found this, this record, um, at the time, the only thing they had in print was the Big Star's third record. Yeah. So a lot of people had just heard that. Which we've already done on this podcast. We already oh, okay. did. Third was, I think it was, you know, at least 10 to 15 albums ago. And and also, it's there's something great about listening to this. And that's the experience that I got from Big Star. It was a band that I had heard about for years. Yeah. And I had seen them on this list and saw all three of their records on there. And so I was like, I can't wait to dig in. So when yeah. I dug into third, I was like... This is Big Star. I was like, really? This is what everybody's talking about? That is the ex- you had the same exact experience a lot of people <laughs> in the late 70s and early, and early 80s had. Yeah. Like, you hear about Big Star, and yeah, third, as you know, is not like these other it's, two It's records. dark. It's all over the place. Yeah. But there and is- And it's incredible, but it's not 
It's you not hear Big Star so, Power so, Pop. It's so, not Power Pop. So tell me about you first listening to so, number so one. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I found number one and, um, you know, was blown away. I, it, I really think it's a perfect record. Everything um, uh, from the cover to the back cover to, to the sequence. Yeah. I mean, it's really sequenced well. And um, the, the songs are fantastic. I mean, uh, yeah, everyone knows of a Big Star now. They have the big documentary and stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, this was... It, Back when I found it, and like I say, those bands were talking about it. My friends didn't have this record, you know. My yeah. my my older brothers didn't have this. They had Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Of course, you know? schools out, you know. This um, is, I think, I the people that I found out that that love Big Star. There, there's a a sensitivity, mm-hmm. sh- should I say, about them. Uh, Chris Garcia, a very very funny comic, did third, and he's obsessed with Big Star. And so as I got ready to listen to third. Uh, and I put that on and I was like, okay, I was like, let me go back and just listen to some of their other stuff. I really want to get, uh, you know, fully immersed in big star, even though I know, uh, radio city and number one album or number one record were coming up later. I mean, for me, when I heard 13 and it was just like a change in in everything that I had heard previously before there was like before 13 and then everything I heard after 13, 13 just left such an impression on me. Um, Do you think that the the singer of that song is 13 as well? Or is he singing about a 13 year old girl? I think he's 13 as well. Okay. okay. I think he's 13 as well. Let's look at it. I think this is, well, when we get to it, we got, we got it. Yeah. 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 So what I love about this album is more than third is that I think this feels like a cohesive piece of work. Whereas third, in my opinion, was all over the place characteristically. This one felt like these three guys are just, or four guys are gelling. And I think the songs show it. Yeah. Um, and, And then the songs, like I said on this album, just stick out like so much more than anything off of third. Cause it's like, it's, this is a beautiful record. This is a sweet record and this is a fun record. Um, and when, and when I say sweet, like when they want to be sweet, like 13, they are sweet as fuck. And then when they want to be fun, like when my baby's beside me, it's so much fun. I just think this is way better than third Third, by miles. Third should not, I mean, this is well-documented, but third shouldn't even been called big star. I mean, it should have been Alex Chilton record, even though Jody Stevens is on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that you know what's funny. I think the Jody Stevens song is the one that is actually the best song on the record. Okay. Uh, I think this is almost, and I'm not saying I'm saying this the most uh, respective way. This is like a blatant ripoff of of the Beatles in that sense of them being able to trade songs and trade the writing, even some of the the way that the songs are are in movements. Uh, it has a very Beatles feel to it, but it's like they do it so good that you just can't get mad at it. No, it's true. And and mentioning Chris Bell, I mean this, and I've always thought this hearing, you know, just taking in everybody's work. I mean, Big Star was Chris Bell's band. Um, you know, Alex wrote in the start. If you hear any Alex, you hear Alex Chilton's solo record, 1970 before this, it's nothing like Big Star or any of his solo record after Big Star's third. Yeah. It's not like this. Um, So Chris Bell is really, and I know Alex's um, widow and uh, Laura, and I said that to her once. I go, Big Star really Chris Bell's band. And she agreed with me. Really? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's let's dive into the album, okay? All right, so the album starts, first track feel. uh, No, please. Before we get into it, can can we just talk about the cover? Of course. Just how beautiful this, and 
Is this embossed? Ne- so what, what do you so, call that? So, so, all right. So it's it's the cover is the neon uh, star, uh, and inside the star in bright yellow, it says big. And and I think it's it's almost you know kind of reminds me of it's kind of reminds me of like the Spinal Tap. Uh, black album or smell the glove how it's just the black it looks clean you know yeah. what I mean I There's- mean looking at it you don't look and say oh this man's called big star you're just seeing the word big yeah you know I mean uh, you can see why it didn't fly off the shelves <laughs> yeah. in, in addition to not being distributed well yeah this 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 album did not sell well uh, critically acclaimed but did not sell well yeah you see this copy is a cutout which I think most of them were yeah yeah i mean fantastic i think it's a fantastic record like even the back like look at the well you have it in such good shape dude it is in good shape uh any offers anybody wants to make me uh get me in care of josh 100 bucks (laughs) all right let's dive into the album okay Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Okay. So the album starts with Feel. Uh, this is a Chris Bell song, and it sounds kind of like an early 70s garage band doing a cover of a Led Zeppelin song. But the star of the show is the breakdown between the verses and the chorus. Peter, uh, play 124. <laughs> So that's my favorite part of the song. It's got pretty standard uh, broken-hearted lyrics. Wondering what are you doing? You're driving me to ruin. The love that you've been stealing has given me the feeling. These are great lyrics. That just, part we just played, that's the Memphis in them. You can tell that's that's the most Memphis part of the whole record. Oh, part. yeah. Dude. But that's what I think is fun about it because it goes in and out of like blues and then almost yacht rock. Yeah, like, it's all over the place. Boogie. There's a little, little some, some boogie rock in there, too. Some, some great boogie rock. Um Great lyrics, uh, just a song about being brokenhearted. Um, thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great opener, uh, especially the way it like starts, like quiet, and just comes in with that, that little drum fill, and, yeah. and just goes into the, uh, and you know, did Chris Bell sing in a high register any other song? I can't think of another one. No, I, um, it's 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 like it's just such a fun rock and roll way to start the record. For years before this was, you know, everything was so documented. Yeah, I didn't know who I couldn't tell who was singing it. It could it could have been Alex as well. As I, well, as that's I that's the thing is that you hear Alex Chilton singing in the box tops. Yeah, you know, singing like Gabby a ticket for an airplane, Gabba and C, but Dabba you insane. <laughs> And so then you hear him singing like 13 and you're like, Jesus Christ, like the dude's got range. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I got to say the box tops voice. I mean, well, he was like 16 or whatever too. I mean, that's, yeah. 
I guess that was like a put on voice, really. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, so I want to talk about heartbreak for a second because yeah. you last year you went through the unimaginably uh, tough experience. You la- you lost uh, your songwriter and friend and and you know co partner um, uh, Kim Shattuck. Uh, you were bandmates for over thirty years, and and last year she lost her two year battle to ALS. And if people don't know what ALS is, it is it's also Lou Gehrig's disease. It progressively deteriorates the neurons that control voluntary muscles. It is so sad. Uh, but now almost it's the cruelest thing that can happen it really, to, to it, anybody. It, it really is. It really is, especially someone so full of life as Kim. But uh, immediately after Kim's diagnosis, you, Kim, and uh, Muff's drummer Roy McDonald started working on your seventh and final album, No Holiday, which came out a few weeks after Kim passed. Now, most fans of the Muffs had no idea that Kim had even been suffering at all through this, and with tremendous shock in that, uh, the the world that must have been, there must have been some kind of like relief in her inner circle when she was finally like released from this disease. But... Uh, you guys put out an album like immediately after that. Like, how did you work through those feelings, uh, which also included the joy of sharing like a new record to the world? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Um, as you described ALS, uh, it, you know, as soon as she got, it ran in her family. Um, her father died of it and, um, an aunt, uh, I believe. And, and Kim was always scared of getting it. Um, and it kind of like what happened was all of a sudden uh, we had, we'd kind of we'd worked steadily for so long. We, t- we took uh, the summer. Well, this upcoming summer will be three years. Yeah. Um, we purposely took it off. And, you know, we were in contact. But uh, I saw Kim. I wanted to do a podcast. She picked me up and she was telling me how she couldn't grip with her left hand. And you can hear this. We talk about it on the podcast, too. Like she's like, ah, it's doctors think it's carpal tunnel or something. I'm sure it's fine. And you hear me say, like, I- I'm very concerned. Yeah. And um. So that's how it started, and she's getting diagnosed. I think it's a nerve in her neck or whatever. And then uh, it came to October, and yeah, she got diagnosed with ALS. And 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 you know, me and Roy and her, we talked, and uh, uh, we were gathering songs. She'd already demoed songs for for what would be our next record, and uh, Kim was like, "We gotta, we gotta make this record." And at that point, she could still speak, she could still move. Uh, the the voice was getting slurry though. Um, so we, we, and she wasn't able to play guitar. So we knew we were going to have to construct it, um, differently. So, um, we, we, we had a bunch of demos. Some were better than others. Some were better recorded than others. Some had electric guitar. Some were just acoustic guitar. Um, we booked a room for December to, to, to record drums to them. Um, and them being demos and not expected to be like an actual record, um, Roy had to kind of adhere to some weird timing changes and stuff. I kind of compare it to the Madcap Laughs by Sid Barrett, mm-hmm. where they kind of worked around his weird timings and things. Um, so, um, yeah, we recorded the drums. Um, so this is December. By, by April, she could not speak or move. Um, so we brought in a friend to kind of overdub guitar. I, I did the bass. Um, put it some other like touches on it too but kim oversaw the whole thing uh she produced it um she did most of our records uh from from a chair in her living room uh on the big tv screen she could see all the technical stuff which yeah. i can't explain all the uh, <laughs> so all your good. pro tools and stuff yeah. and, and, and uh, me and our friend karen um engineered we were in another room she would give us like direction like um 
the easiest way for her to communicate was Viber. So we'd have the Viber, you know, on the iPhone there, and she'd say, like, do it again, or, you know, too sharp, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, uh, that was the happy... Kim, during this whole illness, um, she... I saw her... All, all I did was see her smile. It, 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 I'm not saying she didn't have dark times. I'm sure she did, but... um. You know, I'd, I'd walk in and, and I'd, she had a machine kind of like this that would read her eyeball and speak for her. So she stayed true to herself the whole, t- the whole time. I'd walk in and the, all of a sudden the robot voice would say, Your girlfriend's got a hairy pussy. You know, like, <laughs> and she would just smile, you know, like, yeah. so. And, and, and I, you know, I, I we kind of talked, I, I, or not, you know, I kind of said, like, Kim, I, I have a lot to say to you, of course. We have some, but like, I just want to make you laugh when I'm around you. And, so we did, and, and yeah, she oversaw this record. I, I probably took the better part of a year from start to finish, and um, this guy, Evan, who has mixed our last few records, mixed it for free, and Kim picked all those. She sequenced it. Um, you know, we, we picked out the cover, which is a shot of us in Buenos Aires. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think so. Um, <laughs> you know, doing a bow in front of, you know, a thousand people that came to see us there. So, um you know, and she was probably about her illness. So, so yeah, as you say, she she passed away about three weeks before it came out, but we'd already started doing press. And uh, the initial press, and this was driving me and Roy crazy, because the initial press is kind of describing it as, like, outtakes and stuff. And, and, you know, I knew one day it would be understood. People thought it was a live record because of the cover shot. I, I knew I knew one day, you know, the story of this record will be told, and people will understand. Um, but she got to at least see it. You know, we had physical copies. Yeah. She got to know it was done, see it. Um, and we all, me, Roy and her, we'd always just talk about what a great record we made. And, you know, it's different. It's, it's, it had, it, it, there's no way it couldn't have been different than our other records, but, um, yeah, we were really proud of it. And she was too. No, so. what, a, what, a, but what a great thing to do. To, yeah. Uh, and, as, I, and as, I know it's got this baggage. It's, it's like that. It's like that Warren Zevon thing where he was diagnosed, I think with like brain cancer or, or something. And he had X amount of time to live and all he wanted to do was invest it into his. Yeah. Music. No, there's some, I mean, black star by Bowie. Yeah. I mean, he knew he was dying. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, our records a little different cause Kim couldn't sing or play. Um, what we had was what we had. So, um, I was just, I'm just surprised it kind of hang, sounds like a record because, <laughs> because things sound different, you know, a, a song, the song, sure. it sounds different. Sure. So, um, but what a great way to honor your friend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Really, it really is. I mean, I, I love the muffs and I, I, you know, the record's fantastic and you know, you, it's something that you, you just have and that just it, to send somebody off doing what they love is, is. Yeah. And, and I understand when, 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 after she died, when everything came out, I know, I know a part of her would have loved to see all that attention, but I, then I understood why she really didn't want to fuck with. Yeah. Dealing with everyone. I mean, she didn't want pity and she didn't want, you know what I no, mean? No, I, I think, you know, because then it's like as she's releasing it, people would have been like, oh, well, this is this is her final record instead of like being yeah. just being like, yeah, dude, this is just great music. Oh, is wait, she, she passed. She didn't want to be defined. Oh, yeah. yeah as, as a sick person. No. Well, that's that's an, yeah. that's an incredible way to, to say goodbye to somebody. Trust me. It's like with my friend Angelo. Uh, who, who passed away in 2012. I mean, this is my way of honoring him. Now, I talk about it all the time, though. It's like, right, I, I right. mean, my th- every third word out of my m- mouth is, uh, you know, my friend Angelo died, right? <laughs> He's gone. That's why I do this. All right, uh, let's get to some happier yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. dude. The Ballad of El Agudo Catudo. Arguably the best song on the record. You think so? I, I, my favorite. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say 
music is personal, right? So very much. It's yeah. v- it's very subjective, but you're not wrong. This is one of the strongest songs on the album, and probably if you're going to think about Big Star, this is one of the songs that's in the conversation. So this one's by Alex Chilton. It's about indiv- individuality, determination, and also a commentary on the threat that is raging in the Vietnam War that it had on men of Big Star's age at the time. I think it's mostly about individuality. So so let's. I, I pulled these lyrics out of it. Uh, here you go. It goes, there's people around who tell you that they know and places where they send you and it's easy to go. They'll zip you up and dress you down and stand you in a row. But you know, you don't have to. You can just say no. I, what I love about that is is like he's literally saying like there there's so many people that are trying to force you into a certain box. You know, especially someone like Alex who was in the box tops. He's the 16-year-old kid that is like, you know, when you're 16 and you 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 have you have a a product that that other people see, oh, we can make money off of this. But if we just got to force them to do this, let's get them to dress like this, let's get them to look like this and sound like this and write like this. And I think Big Star is his like middle finger to all of those people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. After yeah. dealing with what he dealt with in the box tops and writing a number one hit to do this, to do an album like this. I mean, this is his fuck you. It's, it's just beautiful. Whatever way he wants to do it, especially when you listen to something like third, you're like, Oh yeah, dude, Alex did not want to be put in a box at all. Right. Do you have something to say? No, no, or the, or the rest of his career. Yeah. Oh, third, third on. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so best part of the song, is the hold on bridge. Peter, give me a little cadoodle. Just a hold on. Hold on. Oh, if there was ever a hold on that I felt more than this one. The only one that I think even matches that is the Wilson Phillips Hold on for one more day. I know that there is pain. <laughs> There's another one too, Kansas. Wait, what, what? I don't fucking know that one. Hold Which on, way? baby. You're gonna make me sing it. Hold on, baby. Hold on. It's like seventy-nine. Let's do this. Hold on up. I know that there was pain, but you hold on for one more day. Hit me. Uh, uh. All right, that one. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I can't can't think of the next part of the song. No, you don't need to because you can't. Great (laughs) song, super powerful. The Wilson Phillips one? Everything we just said. Because it is too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually number uh, number 842. It's it's (laughs) out of the 500. It's like, actually, that's probably 10,076. All right, let's move on to In the Street. Uh, Play the opening at 11 seconds. This is why I love this podcast more than anything in the world, because I can't tell you how much of a fun experience, Ronnie, uh, it was listening to this record and listening to Big Star and then being like, holy fuck, they ripped off that 70s show. (laughs) Like, they ripped them off. No, I just had no idea that they wrote the theme song for that 70s show. And actually, they didn't perform it, of course, because they used uh, Cheap Trick. You knew that? I did know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So Alex Chilton referred to this song as that seven that $70 show because of how much he received every time that 70s show aired this theme, which is dope. Which is fantastic for him that he earned money off this song. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, this is obviously their best known song because of, because of that. Yeah. Because Cheap Trick did it. It's not like they changed it up or anything. 
No, not at all. It sounds the same. It's like they, there's a no, there's a part in it where they go, you're all alright, we're all alright. Wisconsin. They probably I, threw I, out I the line about having a, wanting a joint so bad. Too, well, right? they took that one out, the joint. Yeah, part. yeah, I figured. Yeah. So I love these lyrics because I don't think there's a song, and I don't think there's a band really that captures the abandon and boredom of wayward teenage years more. Than big stars. So check this out. It goes hanging out down the street, the same old thing we did last week. Not a thing to do but talk to you. I love this one. Steal your car and bring it down. Pick me up. We'll drive around. Wish we had a joint so bad. I we've mean, all felt that. How many cars have you stolen? I've sco- I've stolen six. <laughs> um, what does the term sellout mean to you as an artist? Um, you know. It- at this stage of the game, there is no selling out, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to get their... Well, I mean, the only way to get paid these days really is to get songs and commercials and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, back in the day, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to... Back in the day, meaning even like 1988. Remember Neil Young had this Notes for You, a whole song about people selling their songs at commercials and stuff. No, I didn't. I've, I've barely listened to any Neil Young. I know like Harvest Moon and maybe... Uh, you're uh, gonna he, get to, he, you're he gonna did, get to those in probably did, another three hundred. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I gotta say too, Alex, he liked this song for some reason because um, I was talking about when I discovered Big Star. First time I got the chance to see Alex Chilton was 1985 when Feudalist Tarts came out. Wow. Um, and you know that record uh, for people don't don't know it. I mean, he was living in New Orleans. He's doing like blues covers and stuff. Um, but the one big star song he played in that set was in the street. So that that seemed to be the one, and that's the only big star song he played in the set. You know, which blows my mind because there's we're gonna get to some of these songs later in the album that are perfect for a live atmosphere. He just did not give a shit. He didn't give a shit about. It. He'd rather play Tinani Nanu. You know. <laughs> well, and, uh, do you think Big Star sold out by having this song uh, become a TV theme song? Uh, no. I don't think so, especially by that time. I mean, yeah, I, no, nobody looked at that as like Big Star sold out. I don't think it's selling out either. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think a band like Big Star that deserved all the money in the world, yeah. that got none of it, yeah. like they deserved to have their music recognized. And I think that's why it's great that all three of their albums are on this list. Yeah. Uh, it sucks that, that I because th- it's one of those things where it's like you hear that they would have... Like, you know, they both died. Chris Bell died a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. And and Alex dies. Uh, and I think, not Jody. Jody's still alive. Jody's the only surviving member. But he looks great, He too. looks Have great. Have you seen him? It's unbe- he he's looks got like, a full head of hair. He it's like unbelievable. A, he looks like, like a philosophy professor at, at like a liberal arts college. You know what I mean? It's so inc- do you, by the way. I'm not going to lie. You, I can could, I could see you teaching Descartes. I'll, ta- I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I feel like give them the money. Listen, people out there, if, you, if you're on Spotify and you're listening to this podcast, podcast go order it order the vinyl it's beautiful give it's back in print give miss chilton the money all right by the way i smoked a joint with alex chilton after that show why didn't you open with that motherfucker well you know i just you know joint in the street alex chilton 85 all ties in and and what'd you talk about uh i I was so nervous i I mean i have no idea i just i can't let me me guess clammy hands again yeah my hands always get clammy (laughs) you know me that well josh you didn't shake anybody's hand he was like uh clammy clammy i I don't want to gross everybody out i I would think you would appreciate that but yeah no i can't believe it as a kid or how i 
20, 19, 20. Yeah, I can't believe I approached him and asked him. And I got to say, the next time he came through town, which is like two years later, I asked him if he wanted to smoke a joint again. And he totally blew me off. Oh, what a dick. And that said, it's, you know, it's Houston, Texas. Yeah. It was not, weed has come a long way, folks. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Maybe not in Texas. It's though. also it weird that you're wearing all Houston Rockets gear. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that didn't help. <laughs> Why were you wearing an Olajuwon jersey, even though he hadn't <laughs> even played yet? In the Maybe he had. Maybe he was drafted at that point. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. All right, moving on to what I think is probably one of the most beautiful songs I have ever heard on this list so far, 13 Peter, play a little bit. Maybe Friday I can get tickets for the dance. That song is so beautiful. And the great thing about it, too, it's it's so you can play that song with very little knowledge of learning how to play guitar. Oh, no, I I, I play. <laughs> it's so funny you said that. Cause cause I've, I've learned how to play it like within two minutes. Yeah. So I cry a lot. Ronnie, uh, Me too. I'm a, I'm a, oh, I can no, tell. No, no, we so, know, yeah, we yeah, know, so, I know, we know our own. Oh, yes. And I knew you had a creamy center. So I've <laughs> cried so many times uh, from listening to songs that are on the list. Uh, I think the first one that did it was uh, Love Has No Pride by uh, Bonnie Raitt. It was off of the record Give, uh, Give It Away or, uh, yeah, Give It Away. And uh, give it away, give it away, give it away. No, it's a different record. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you remember when Bonnie Raitt wore cock socks? <laughs> yeah. Remember when she did I, cock socks? It <laughs> was it fucking. Went, she had little cock titties. I don't know. She had a huge anyway. cock. Oh, until sock then. titties. She did sock titties. I called them cock titties. <laughs> she had cock titties. Um, <laughs> this one gave me chills the first time I heard it, and I just remember like walking Lekka and and just like weeping. And like the That's other his dog, by the, the way, yeah, Lek is my dog. Everything, trust me, they know. Okay. <laughs> oh, they know. <laughs> but like, but it, it, it's just such a beautiful song, and it takes you right there to middle school, and all of that like melodramatic innocence that is just associated with becoming like you you get a you know because there's like sixth grade crushes but there's a difference between a sixth grade crush and an eighth grade crush or even a seventh grade crush you're right i mean it just that's that's the age where we're getting crushes on girls they're unrequited usually yeah there's there's something there's something so beautiful about this and it, it makes perfect sense that this song uh rolling stone magazine ranked it number 406 in the top 500 songs mm. of all time 
and uh, they called it one of rock's most beautiful celebrations of adolescence. And I, I mean it, man. Um, if you, the Cadougals, Fleece Army, whatever I call you guys, I'm just call you Cadougals from here on out. You're part of the Fleece Army. If you have yet to listen to this record, pause this on Spotify. Go on Spotify, search 13 by Big Star, and listen to this song. And if you don't feel something from this, you are a Holocaust denier. This show okay. is sponsored by Spotify, if you couldn't tell. Oh, it is. Oh, uh, <laughs> big ups. Proud sponsor of the 500, Spotify. <laughs> when you're trying to find that random song by Wilson Phillips, just cadoogle it in your spoogle and find it cachoogle. Yeah, at, right. the, at the risk of sounding like an old man again, I, do, I just want to point out, when I was 15 in 1980, the, these records were out of print. Like, people have it so easy these days. Like, I had to... I had to trade records to get MC5 and Stooges oh, records. Dude, you remember, you remember? They were out of print. Do you remember then? trying to get New York dolls? Remember porn back in the day? You used uh, to have to go to a shop and be like, and there's like people buying the porn, and you can see what this random, like, overweight Mexican dude's into. You're like, oh, you're into Asian eye contact blowjob scenes as well. <laughs> you mind scootle a do real yeah, quick yeah. so I can grab this porn? Can I grab this oversized box? <laughs> yeah, this enormous box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go up to somebody and be like, yeah, how much is that? $30? What's Jeez. the point of that anyway? To to make it bigger, the, the I mean, image you, bigger. You gotta, sometimes you got there's some big titties out there, there bro. You got you got You want to give them, give them it all. You got if they're paying thirty dollars for. A video. I used to work at a rental shop, and there were there were customers who would come in and rent like ten porns a day, like every day. It's just like what, you know. I understand jacking <laughs> off, believe me, but like, you know. <laughs> Guy, they, I don't know. I don't know. They I, didn't believe in monogamy. <laughs> they did not believe in monogamy. All right. Don't lie to me. Uh, so there is this loose opening of this song with a little bit of studio chatter. But then it just jams into this simple, fun garage rock song with a little blues cadoogle. Play 118. <laughs> I love a good noise explosion. I was going to say, that finds Kadoogle. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, this is Kadoogly Spoogly <laughs> to the Moogly. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> what, I, what I think is great is that that little section right there is so ahead of its time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we literally just uh, did In Utero by Nirvana, which is just all noise. Mm. And that, to me, you could take that little section of this song and put that into any any nirvana it's just it's just and such a fun song to have that like just chaos it just it gives it gives this album even more life it really is be beautiful chaos if you will i mean yes. there's a lot going on in that like that little bit a lot there's I'm so glad you isolated that Josh. that because i could i could put on the other down a but no no because it's there there's like again a boogie a boogie rock yeah. early 70s yes. influence there which but but still Great melody and, and great melody, but that's not what I that's not what I yeah. got from the song. That's that's why I go through it and with a with a fine tooth comb and I and I pull out all the fleas and all the ticks and and give it its little medication square and and you know what I, I, we're talking about Lecca still, aren't we? Are we? No. Um, so let me ask you about this. Like how how do the Muffs collaborate and create music? Like how did you guys do that? Oh, uh, we were um you know being a being a, a essentially a power pop band um you know we would label as punk and stuff you know our songs are really melodic our songs are like freddie and the dreamers just kind of sped up with a girl screaming sometimes yeah and, and playing johnny thunder's leads i mean uh underneath all that stuff is just a melodic 60s mersey beat song and um you know th those aren't the kind of songs you, you get together and jam 
and create. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, Kim Kim was good songwriter and she, you know, all those parts, um, that's her. I mean, yeah, we weren't So you're saying, sound well, because I like what you said earlier with, uh, you definitely weren't sound No, no. A hundred percent. Number 180. <laughs> Um, no, but there's there's something so great about about the Muffs, man. Because I was even just like getting ready to do this. I was listening to some of your music, and I know it was a cover. But Kids in America, like your version of that, is just so fantastic. I like the second I like put it on, I was like, oh my god! And it took me back to like 1995. Like, remember being in the theater watching Clueless the day it came out. Yeah. It was a packed theater. And I remember there was somebody talking and you went, you want to find out the moment where I realized I wanted to be a comic and I already knew I wanted to be a comic and I already knew I wanted to do music But this person was talking pack theater and they wouldn't shut up. And I just stood up and went, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then everybody started cheering like, yeah. And I was like, I want this feeling all the time. <laughs> and that was right at the exact moment. It was like, we're kids in America. <laughs> and then everybody like massaged me. And I think I got laid that night. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I expect a massage after this. Um, no, it's great to have. First off, we got a- Amy Heckerling, the director, who I always wanted to work with. She directed Fast Times and that. one of the most iconic movies. Of um, all time. Um, yeah, she came to us and offered us the choice of doing two songs: "Kids in America" or "All by Myself." Cue you singing "All by Myself." All by myself, no one so obviously we we picked Kids in America. By the way, Jewel did all by myself. Didn't even make the soundtrack. I, it's barely Ew. in the film. It's barely in the film. But uh, yeah, we did Kids in America. We were actually on the road. We were we had to record it in New York City uh, at Electric Lady Studios. Badass. The room Jimi Hendrix built with a there's a fucking mural of a spaceship that Jimi commissioned. It's still there anyway. Um, yeah, we put together our arrangement of it. I mean, not that it's like rocket science, but put together really quick on the road and recorded it. And, and it's great to have um, something I can point to. Cause you know, I'll people, what do you do? A musician, you know, the What's muffs, the band? generally is a question mark above their head. Right. But I, <laughs> I can always point to clueless. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves clueless. Everybody like, loves clueless. In fact, uh, um, I recently, even though she fucks her brother in it, it's the weirdest ending. It really is. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The brother with a Sinatra <laughs> fixation. Yeah. But also I like to point out our kids in our kids in America plays over the opening credits of the film. Yeah. It's the first song on the record. So we're not like in a scene where it's coming out of a seven eleven or something. No. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of It's iconic. It, it's, it, it, it's 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 iconic. It goes hand in hand with the film. Hand in hand. And the uh we earned a platinum record for that. Okay. Fuck it. All right. All right, on. everybody. Come on, come on, there it is. And it's an attractive one. It's got a plaid background. I'll give you a hundred dollars for it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. All right. All right, okay. next song. It's a great story. All right, the next song, the Indian song, or I'm sorry, maybe take that. The India <laughs> Watch song. It. I know, I know. <laughs> this is the only song on the album written and sung by bassist Andy Hummel. Uh, Peter, play the cadoodle. <laughs> It just doesn't flow. It's not a bad song. It just doesn't flow with this record. This is where we're going to part on this, Josh. Ooh. Because uh, I think on from day to day, I, I think it's a toss-up between the most beautiful song on the record between 13 and this one. Wow. Um, and I think, uh, first off, it's a great way to, to close out side one. And, uh, oh, I didn't even look at it. Andy Hummel sings this song, too. which And, and, and I remember reading somewhere um, the label actually 
thought this was a single. What? Yes, and wanted and wanted Andy to write what more a, material. What a spoogle way of thinking. Yeah, but um, it's know, a it's a nice little ode. It's what it's makes nice it such a wonderful little, world. Yeah, it's a nice little ode to escaping to India, and uh, yeah. I think it's beautiful though myself. It's got, it's got, I guess, you know, it's the 70s, you know, they're having these jam sessions, everybody's a little influenced by, like, you know, George Harrison, uh, you know, the Beatles, and, and, like, as we've said, you know, the big star does not shy away from how much they love the Beatles, uh, but let's take it to you, because I know that you got together with Kim in the late 80s, you escaped from Houston, Texas, to move to Los Angeles. What was the music scene like then? Um, well... Uh, well, first off, when I moved, I was a journalist. Like I, I wrote, I was a music editor at that young age of our weekly Houston paper. It wasn't exactly the village voice, but it was all we had. And, um, so I, like I said before, I was a music fan and I thought that's what I would do. Like I was like, oh, I get free records and I get to talk to Sonic Youth and I get to talk to Buck Owens and, and get in free everywhere and have people hate me when I pan their bands. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I moved here. Yeah. I think I said it before. Me and Kim were a couple. I moved here for love. We met in 86, stayed in touch. Um, I, I'll quote every documentary. This is before uh, cell phones and the internet. Um, you know, we, so we would call each other on the phone, send each other packages, make cassettes. Mixtapes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, dude, I, I was the king of making girls mixtapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. But, but getting back, the, the mu- so the music scene here uh, in Los Angeles at that point was thriving. There were, there were, Good club, good solid clubs, rock clubs everywhere. I mean, when we when we started playing, which was January 1991, we were playing three times a week between here and Orange County. Um, you know, at different clubs, and and it was it was fine. Like, and this is right before Nirvana took off. So so, and believe me, we rode that wave. That's why we got signed. Sure, um, I can imagine what that was like. Were they just like we're looking for any band? That's just got three pieces. Yeah, and the people that found us were all former heavy metal guys, right? So our management managed Testament before managing us. Our A&R guy um, had just signed a band called Sister Whiskey. And, you know, that was a tail end of the hair metal scene, too. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is legendary now, but you really could drive down the Sunset Strip. Oh, I wish. And see all those... I wish, I wish. People dressed uh, in full metal garb. Oh, I wish. I wish I was here Bouncing for that. from the whiskey to the Roxy to Gazaris. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. All right. When my baby's beside me. Uh, so this one. Uh, side two, folks. S- side two. This is one of Alex Chilton's favorite big star songs he wrote. And I see why. Because this song rips. Peter, play 28 seconds in. <laughs> got this pounding just 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 driven uh verse and chorus and then it's just this this beautiful straightforward song about the perfect relationship you know and it's still that gorgeous melody underneath all that rock stuff it's it's constructed really good well we mentioned earlier that you and kim uh were not only bandmates but you guys dated was that hard to navigate uh early on um early on no um, and, and, and in fact, by the time we, uh, we knew we were br- going to break up for a while and we, and, and by that point our band was doing well and had gotten signed and we would always, we'd always tell each other, look, we got to, we're going to have to work this. 
we're doing well and we're not going to break up the band so we need to work this out and so we we and by the and by the time we broke up it was one of those breakups where we were kind of so done with you the relationship yeah. that there was no je- there was no jealousy issues i mean she started dating the engineer of our first record um, but it wasn't a problem for me. It and was you fun. had all those boxes of porn. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that said, we did know how to uh, piss each other off, and there were some, there were some moments in the van where maybe the other members might have been uncomfortable. Oh wow! There were moments where she called for my head. You know, wouldn't come to the van unless they brought her my head. That's a direct quote. Um, you know, that, that, uh, early on we were more vol. You know, back then we were really volatile, and um, things were loud, and and we're it's the grunge era so we're smashing our equipment oh and, i can imagine she's hitting me with a guitar and, and people still bring up that like yeah i used to love how she would hit you with her with everything and uh spit on you and you know <laughs> and, and she's everybody thinks she's just being a rock star yeah but yeah yeah does which, she knows she's still hanging on to yeah, a fight you had she was just two mad. years earlier she would get Typical mad about the, woman yeah she would get <laughs> mad she would get mad on stage and i would be the foil for that for better or worse. All right, but either way, it made for good music. Yeah, good yeah, rock no, and roll. It worked. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. All right, next one. My Life is Right. Peter, play the chorus. So I thought uh, this was Chris Bell's version of basically the last song we just played with my baby beside me. But then I found out that Chris Bell was like a hardcore Christian and eventually like was like, you know, had the dude loved Christ. That's what I'm trying to say. And I mean, this is Christian rock music. If I ever heard it, you give me light. You are my day. You give me life. And that's right. I mean, ah, yeah. that is a Christian rock song. You ever seen uh, Christians at a Christian rock concert? I mean, they have a devotion to Christ. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, they have. They just feel it. They yeah. feel the music. Their arms are in the air. They have their eyes closed. Perfect show to mug people, like pickpocket. If you if you want to do a Christian rock show, because they're staring at God, you could just like go whoop whoopsie doodle. Let me take that little. Uh, they <laughs> they only have shillings. It is very weird that that like people Christian rock fans just stick to Christian rock band like 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 Petra or whatever. Like I don't even know who that is. They're just a big <laughs> Christian rock band. I, I've never heard them, but I mean. Sounds I haven't like heard, you heard them. I haven't heard them because they're Christian rock bands. So Watch me get so into your turn. car and it's like, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're Petra and we're Jesus fans. <laughs> Listen, nothing against Christians. No. I love them. 
They're great. But now I'm going to think of this as a Christian rock song. It's a Christian rock song. There's a couple more on here. All right. Uh, Give me another chance. So this one is just very, I I wrote, very confessional apology. That's what I wrote. And I feel like uh, this kind of reminds me of like John Lennon's jealous guy or like woman. Uh, I mean, he starts apologizing as soon as the song starts. Uh, Play the intro. What a pussy, dude. Just stand up for yourself, bro. Why are you apologizing? What did you do? Explain yourself. Was it big? Was it small? What did you do? Did you just not do the dishes and she's mad at you? Because that, that's not your fault, bro. It was her night to do the dishes. It was her night. It's like 13. It's an early love song when we were, yeah, we, we, we would take the blame for everything, right? Just yeah. to keep the girl. I do love Alex Chilton's falsetto in this. I think that is just it shines, and also the it's just it's just got a very beautifully honest like uh, sing him singing knowing that the the styles of voices that he can do and what he sang yeah uh, to hear him sing like that I mean regardless if I'm making fun of like the apology which is not the wrong with apologize when you do something wrong you know in, put it in song uh, but the, at the same time it's just I, I think this is this is what shows the layers of big star you know what's well, interesting both guys sing you know their voices aren't dissimilar where it's not jarring it's kind of like the cars where it's like benjamin Orr kind of sounds like you really sometimes don't know who's singing yeah so yeah like as we saw like chris bell sings in a falsetto on feel yeah and uh yeah alex doing it there and and you know it's not like you hear this record and think there's a different singer on every song now but this is listen this is this is one of that's one of the highlights of the record we're coming on to try again and if there are any doubts about chris bell's faith uh-oh. This one dispels any of that noise. Also, it's a complete and utter George Harrison ripoff. Uh, Peter, play 115. This isn't a bad song. It's not a bad song. It's a good song. I just, I hear, I hear George. It's a really good song, but yeah, I mean, that's, a lot of guys played slide before George Harrison, but it is he did have his own. Uh, but he had his own twin. No, no, he had his own twin. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're wrong. Thank you. Yeah. You know, for a second, I thought you were about to say I was wrong. No. Okay. I was, I, I, you're not wrong on this. Okay. Good. All right. So uh, after this, do you want to watch the sunrise? Kick it, Peter. And watch the sunrise. Hey, I'm a diva, the ski doo. It just, just gives me like a little like shimmy shimmy, like watch the sunrise. Here are the three words that came to mind when I'm listening to this beautiful, majestic, hopeful. It's wonderful, but I thought you were going to say it's a, they're ripping off a Here Comes the Sun. <laughs> ah, you're not wrong. Yeah. You I, are not. Listen, they wear their influence on their sleeve. I said it at the beginning. I was like, this. I, a lot of this reminds me of the Beatles, but they do it in such a way that I can't shit on it. Beatles influence everybody. Any power pop. I mean, that's Beatles derived. Beatles influence Public Enemy. They're pretty good. Beatles, uh, Beatles influence two live crew. You know, Elvis never meant shit to Public Enemy. You know that? They influenced two. 
<laughs> fucking, I had a riff and I can't do it. I was going to say, like, they influenced two live crew. I remember Paul in a famous interview with the Maharishi saying, I'm me so horny. <laughs> I'm me so horny. Here's some sample lyrics. That's a lyrics. good honk, Josh. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Here's some sample lyrics that stick out to me. Sun, it shines on all of us. We are one in its hands. Come inside and light my room like the heart of every man. Uh, that's beautifully majestic. It's a beautiful way to, to end the record. Yeah, because and that's the thing is that this, I feel, should have been, uh, you know, what the final song is. And in a sense, it is. But then it goes into, and well, probably one of the weirdest titles uh, so far on this album. Uh, not just album, I mean, any of the albums we've done. Uh, track 12, final track, ST100 uh, backslash 6. So, like I said... Uh, I feel like the real ending of the album is Watch the Sunrise. But I think that this song, because it's only a minute long, yeah. is a nod to, like a nod or a wink to to the Beatles' uh, Her Majesty off of Abbey Road. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like how yeah. they, they did, Her Majesty's a bit of nice girl. So this is their short song. And also, uh, I found out that the title was an inside joke about the record's potential catalog number. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It reads like a catalog number. Yeah. I just picked up the record to look and see if it was the catalog number. No, I love it. It's Peter, not. Peter, play 11 seconds in. Short, sweet, to the point. It's a, it's a, it's a very nice song. I love the harmonies on it, but I wanted more. You know? I consider it a sweet. Those last two songs, kind of, they kind of go together for me. Sure, I could see that. Yeah, no, yeah, I could yeah. definitely see that. And and I think they're after riding off. It's almost like it's like riding off into the sunset, showing you the power of Chris and Alex's voice together because it's perfect harmonies. Now, uh, you have been and continue to be a participating member in the Wild Honey Orchestra. It's true. Which is a loose collective of musicians who get together once or twice a year to raise money for Autism Think Tank. One, uh, one big show a year. One big show a year. Yeah. And that you've had star-studded performances of Abbey Road and some big star stuff. Am I right? Yeah, yeah it's true. Uh, the, the big star one uh, kind of, I don't want to say we, they, they kind of uh, took it on. They didn't put that one together. Uh, Chris Stamey... Uh, tours that i think he still does those shows but yeah but wild honey kind of co-sponsored it and well, yeah. that's great and then you've got one coming up uh in a few weeks on february 29th right at yeah the alex theater in glendale in a tribute to the love and spoonful it's true uh three weeks from the day we're, we're from today the day we're taping not the, not the day this is airing but, and then uh, on march 15th at the el rey you and roy mcdonald will be hosting an all-star celebration for kim to raise money to fight the cure for als I, I said that wrong it sounds like you're fighting the cure fight for a cure <laughs> we're, we're, we're co-hosting Josh I need some dick jokes <laughs> oh, you did? oh I got you Oh please So can you Can you uh, Tell our listeners Who may or not be in town uh, How they can help Contribute and participate In this Um, You know If people want to help And donate They can either Buy a ticket and not show up Or buy a ticket and show up Or um, Find a The AL, AL, ALS Association online And um, You know And just make a donation It is like we said before, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. Yeah. It's really inhumane, um, and uh, yeah, it, it and there's no there's no way out it's of it. It's taken so many great people. No, and it's and, and so it's many fatal loved disease. Ones. It's fatal. Yeah, it's 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 probably 
I don't want to, I just don't want to say one of the worst, but yeah, it's, it's just, like I said, it's like you're seeing loved ones just deteriorate right before your eyes. And, uh, guys, there are ways to contribute. Fleece Army out there, we're asking you, uh, you know, as soon as this podcast is over, uh, go to the ALS Foundation and donate or buy a ticket and not come. Or buy a ticket and send it to somebody in the area and they can come. But there you do go. it, you Kadoogles. All right, you want to do some facts and get out of here? Sure. All right. Here's some facts and here's some facts mm-hmm. and facts. Facts. Facts and facts and facts and facts and facts. After this album's disappointing sales due to distribution problems, depression, substance abuse, and ego clashes with Alex Chilton, Chris Bell quit the band to pursue a solo career that never really happened in his lifetime. Now, due to the now due to the circumstances being what they are, do you think you'll ever continue actively playing in a band? Fact. Oh, that's not how I play. <laughs> um, I get this que- I get this question now, and uh, th- no, at, at this point, my answer is no. Um, that was my band, and that's just that's just the way it is. And what a beautiful way to end it. Now, too. like I say, if if Pat Benatar calls me or something, oh, you are in. Baby. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if I get a good offer, I'm there. Fuck yeah. But I'm not gonna pursue. I'm not gonna like find a guitarist, and you know, I'm just not. If it, if it somehow makes its way into you jamming with some certain people you're in, but it's just the idea of touring, it just doesn't seem appealing. It's just, uh, well, I mean, that we could do a whole other podcast about how things are these days compared yeah. to the old days. I um, could imagine. Because um, people don't really, unless you're big, people don't really tour anymore. Like club bands don't tour anymore. Yeah. Um, we were lucky that we became semi-established enough where we could do the fly-ins, like, you know bigger club bands do so you fly to the east coast do four dates rent a van there use a back line um but yeah as far as like going through and playing albuquerque and norman oklahoma no offense to these towns uh but the, we have but, a huge following those in are towns, norman oklahoma just yeah, letting and, you know and again even in the what's 90- up my north my north oklahoma nights yeah and there's 10 people there <laughs> yeah even in our day those kind of towns were were not we 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 tried to just play the major metropolitan cities. We only played one city in Florida our whole career. <laughs> That's fine. You know what I mean? Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. All right. Final fact. As drummer Jody Stevens remarked about Bell and Chilton, all of a sudden I'm playing with these guys that can write songs that are as engaging to me as the people I'd grown up listening to. So I felt incredibly lucky. That that's a great statement from Jody because I can imagine what that was like to be sitting behind the drums and seeing two geniuses right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, it's song, it with any of these bands, it comes down to songs ultimately. Yeah, um, you know, and yeah, I, I can imagine like Jody Stevens hearing these guys, you know, just yeah, hey, I just wrote the song "Ballad of El Gudo," you yeah. know, and hearing them sing together in the song. Yeah, he must have like shit his pants. And he, you know, Jody brought it a little bit. And I don't want to say yeah. a little bit. That sounds so evil. He, I do. I love for you is such a good song. But let me ask it you is. this: What was your luckiest moment? Oh, my luckiest moment. There's, there's been, there's been so many. I, I mean, I feel lucky. Almost every day, you know, I feel lucky to be here with you. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, this came out of nowhere. Um, Thank Tom. Tom DeSavia. Tom DeSavia. What a guy. Yeah, anyway. Um, he's a Holocaust denier, but he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, I, 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 I can't pinpoint it down to one thing. I, I'm just, I'm lucky to be 
my age and still feel like I felt when I was 15 yeah. and, um, and, you know, do something that's hot, low stress and, you know, have health and, and everything and have good friends and, and have good eat Mexican food. Oh, yeah. You you had me at chimichanga. <laughs> uh, this was fantastic, Ronnie. Seriously, Absolutely, I had such a Josh, good time sitting you. down meeting you. Uh, to everybody out there, if you have not listened to Big Star number one record, they, they right? You got to get it. Got to get it. it. And if you want a copy of the vinyl, Ronnie is selling it. Price <laughs> to be determined. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The one and only Ronnie Barnett. I'm so glad uh, that our friend Tom set us up to do this episode because he was so much fun to talk to you guys. To find Ronnie on Instagram, find him at RonnieBarnett.TheMuffs. And check out all of The Muffs music, including their new album, No Holiday, on Spotify. Now, we just listened to Big Star from 1972 for this week's new music selected by Matt Pinfield, our music director. We have The Grip Weeds. They're from Highland, New Jersey. Their seventh album, Trip Around the Sun, came out in late 2018. Listen to their song, Vibrations, on Spotify. You will dig it. Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is George Harrison week with his 1970 album. And man, is it a caduzzi. All things must pass. It's a beautiful record, guys. It's a long one, so do your homework. Listen to the album on Spotify. Stay fleecy. Doogle, doogle. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Next Chapter Podcasts.